Today on the Big Geek Podcast, we welcome special guest Dagan Moriarty. Welcome back to the Beat Geek Podcast, where we like to geek out over the things we love in nerd culture. I'm your host, Ron Avis, and sitting with me to my left is my co-host, the Prince of Pixels, Nick Wright. You gotta say his name off fancy, like, Danger Moriarty! Danger Moriarty! Yeah, that'd be cool, yeah. Oh, Because oh, he's got the danger mouse. I meant to say, yeah, that, see, that's why I said that. I was thinking it, but uh, I meant to say Dagan, but that's kind of funny, though. There's a uh, old Wind in the Willows series that used to air on the disney channel back in the day it was like in a claymation kind of style stop motion animation mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen it no i've never heard of it but before. uh it's from the 80s and i found it on amazon and bought it and the uh, mr toad from wind in the willows is the the guy that voices mr toad is danger mouse <laughs> Aww. It's so funny hearing him talking. So he sounds just it's like Danger, Danger Mouse. Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew it as a kid. And I don't, you know, kids just, for whatever reason, it's like, at least I didn't. I don't know if I was just an idiot or what, but it's like you don't really put two you and two together. You don't think about it when you're a kid. Yeah, it's like, you know, because I watched Danger Mouse at that time. Yeah, yeah. And Wind and Willows at that time, but it's not, hey, look, those, they sound the same, <laughs> you know. And if it's anything like nowadays, it's it's like five to ten actors working. They're doing all the voices. Oh, <laughs> it's like, and I, uh, let somebody else have a chance, pal. I forget what brought up Frank Welker. Um, he does everything. Oh, it was when we saw Lion King. And I said something to Ruth, like, um, you know who uh, all of the lion roars in yeah. the animated Lion King, the, right. the first Lion King, you know, there were, none of them were like real lions. It was all done by Frank Welker. Right. And she was like, why does that name sound familiar? Who, who does he voice? And I'm like, you got a minute? Any cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> like every cartoon character ever. Yeah, I think I said. Want to go ahead and just jump right into this episode? I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a guest with us. Um, he is a, an animator for a little TV show you may have heard of. Emmy award-winning children's television, television show called Sesame Street. I've heard of it. Heard of that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also the uh, host and co-star, maybe some might even say the star of his own podcast. <laughs> a a retro-themed podcast similar to ours called Knockback. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but it's, it's fantastic. Not before you telling me about it, I hadn't, unfortunately. Well, I don't want to bury the lead anymore. I, right now, I have on <laughs> I have on the phone with us uh, Mr. Dagan Moriarty. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. And uh, we got like a hey guys. That's pretty cool. Hi guys. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> the patented greeting from Dagan. That's right, Dagan. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a a guest on our show, our little show. Yeah, thank you very oh, much. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pl I'm honored. I'm honored you would ask. I'm, I'm honored to be on. It's going to be fun. You're a like-minded individual to Nick and myself. Uh, you're you're similar in age. I uh, we we were also born in the '70s, so 
Oh, okay. So you got, all right. Oh, well, that that's, I'm in rare company. I never meet anybody as old as me. I feel like I'm always the old man. <laughs> but what's the joke? You're always kind of like talking about how like you're in your 20s. Or, you know? Oh, yeah. I always change my age. Yeah, I try. Born in 1987. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, your co-host ordinarily, your brother Colin, he's, he's like a good, what, 10, 11 years younger than you are, right? Yeah, we're almost 11 years apart. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. And I, I can relate to that in a bit too, because my, uh, I, uh, my brother was similar in age range, uh, and he, he was older. He was my older brother, but okay. you know, like, I feel that kind of kinship, like you and you and Colin have like, kind of reminds me of like the relationship I had with me and my brother. I love that. I love when people say that I hear that pretty often. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of the show. Like people, people can see themselves in, in us and in our relationship. I love, I think that's so neat. Well, you guys are just, I mean, you, you, you seem so close. You guys have just this bond that I, it's just such a wonderful thing to listen to you guys talk on the, uh, on your podcast. Oh, that's cool. Thank you for saying that. No problem. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was not just because of your podcast, which is wonderful. I, I wanted to get to know more of Dagan, the animator. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. One of my favorite things about your podcast is when you have, you know, animation, centric episodes and uh, oh, i love i love that you love yeah I, lo- I love when people enjoy those because that's really what that's me in my wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, and, and one of the things i wanted to like you know ask you right off the bat was you know i i know from listening to your show that you were like a massive influence on your br- your brother your younger brother when it comes to sure, video games sure Yes. And one thing I've always been curious about is like, did you have somebody who was sort of guiding you? Did you, who was your influence when it came to becoming an artist? Uh, it's a great, it's a great question. And I did, I had that a figure in my life. It, it was, it was my grandfather, my grandpa, my mother's dad. Um, he was a really, we were very close to my mom's side of the family growing up and we were very close to my grandma and grandpa. And we would see, you know, the type of thing where it was, if you didn't see that, if a whole week had gone by and we hadn't seen them, that would be weird, you know? So, and he was a really wonderful artist, but he didn't get to, I think there was always a little frustration there because he didn't really pursue it as a profession. Hmm. He was actually a beautician. He was actually a hairdresser and had his own salon in Manhattan. So that's what he did for a living. His, he ran a hair salon and, um, which is a lot of funny stories about that because he had a, lot of, <laughs> yeah. he had a really, he, he was a really funny individual and he was, um, he had a lot of funny clients. Like he, he, Don Johnson was a client for a while. So he, there's always, there's a lot of really funny and fun stories around my grandpa, but he really loved, he was always a, a big figure in my life and he's the really the one who taught me how to draw. But beyond that, he had a rare thing in that, especially for people of his generation, you know, being born, born in the thirties. He loved cartoons and animation, and he he taught me how to draw Mickey Mouse when I was five years old, and that was um, that was sort of the genesis of my fascination with drawing and with animation. We he also I always say that tell this part of the story too. He taught me how to color. You know, I would always color in coloring books with him, and he's the one who taught me how to like shade with the crayons and how you go to dark to light. And every time he drew something. You know, you would sit, you know, a guy, you guys remember how it is when you're a kid, you sit and draw with lots of different adults, but he was actually an adult that really knew how to do it. So when I did it with him, it was like, it was like magical. It was like, how is he making that come out of the crayon? How is he making that come out of the pencil? So that was the original seed for me 
for my interest in art. And he always really encouraged that all through my life, even up through like junior high school and high school and into college. He was always a really prominent figure in my life and kind of cheering for me from the sidelines and teaching me how to draw and coaching me and telling me how to do this better. So he was, he was really the prominent, there were other figures as well, but my grandpa was really the guy who pushed me into being an animator. He really, I, and it's funny because I knew what I wanted to do from like, from that time, I was probably five or six years old and I was like, you know, this is a thing I could do. This is what I want to do for a living. So I always kind of knew that that's what I would do for a living. So I was, I was really lucky to have that. You know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a really sweet story. So he was a hairdresser. So like he didn't he never became a, a cartoonist. Uh, no. I, maybe maybe in those days, like it just was more like it was not a, a, a like a traditional profession. You know, like how, how can you get work as a cartoonist? There wasn't much, especially in New York. I mean, now I, he did uh, he did life drawing classes at night in mm. Manhattan. At that time, it was something called the Art Students League. And basically, art, commercial artists, people in advertising, maybe cartoonists, illustrators, even animators at the, you know, at this few New York studios in those days would go at night and they would draw, you know, they would draw nudes. They would draw models from life and everything like that. And he I, I think he rubbed elbows with a lot of people that worked as commercial artists, whether they were in advertising or whether they were cartoonists or animators. And I think there was really always that frustrated side of him that didn't pursue that for a living because he was quite talented and he was quite smitten with it. But for whatever reason, he never did that. And he would always say to me, in retrospect, it made a lot of sense. He would always say to me, like, don't waste your talent. Oh. Don't get sidetracked. You know, so... I think he, you know, I think some of it was like kind of living vicariously through me too and seeing that kind of talent in me. I don't know if I was as good as he was, but seeing a little bit of that maybe and saying, you know, kind of pushing me in that direction if I was interested in going in that direction. So I always had that sort of support, which is, you know, it means a lot. You know, it's not everybody gets to have that. When you're young, you need that. Oh, absolutely. It's important to have someone there, like you say, being your cheerleader and not tell you like, well, that's not a practical job profession. Right. Like my, my son all the time was like, daddy, can I, can I get a job as a game tester? And like the adult part of me is like, well, yes, you, you could. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably need another job to, to make ends meet. But your, your, your grandfather, he, it sounds like he was able to f- at least find some sort of creative outlet as a hairdresser. Yeah, he did. And he did, you know, he had a little wood shop in the basement. He did like, he made like, he was really into Christmas. So he made like his own Christmas decorations. And yeah, he always had, it's true. He always had a, a creative outlet. He always had sketch pads in the closet with his charcoal drawings and his life drawings. And, you know, when he was able to, when he was old enough to have grandkids sharing that with them. And yeah, he always did. He, he always did have a creative outlet. That's true. That's a great point about him. Now, did he, did he provide you with any like books or anything about animation yes. and cartooning? He did. He, he would bring me, he's the one who really got me interested in cartooning too, because it was a ritual when I would see them on the weekends, we'd go over for Sunday dinner or something. He would always give me a book, but what happened was he would, he would come home on the train. He would commute via, you know, from Long Island to New York city on the train. And he would always stop and bring a book for us. And so every time I saw him, he gave me a book. I remember he gave me books on dinosaurs. He gave me books on how to draw animals. It could have been just a, just an illustrated children's book, a Dr. Seuss book, whatever, but he always bring me books. That's very cool. And yeah, he was really, I mean, look, looking back, especially again for his generation to be of that, to have that kind of mindset, 
and to, you know, to kind of plant that seed in me without ever really talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, he would never be like, Dagan, I'm giving you these books because someday I want you to be an artist. And, you know, it was always just like doing it without saying anything about it. But what he was doing was obvious. You know, he, he saw that I had an interest and he was trying to kindle it. You know, he was trying to spark it even further. So, yeah, he I mean, I don't without him. I mean, it's one of those figures in your life. It's like without him, who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows what I would have been? Well, he, you know, he made your childhood that much more magical and made it seem that much more possible, which is such a cool thing. He really did. He really did. Yeah, he was he was an awesome man. He he passed early. He passed relatively young in age. I think he was 75. And I was just entering, I think, my last year of college when he passed. Mm. So he never even got to see me, you know, I think uh, I got my first job in, in 98. So he never got to see me work in the business or anything like that. That's heartbreaking. He I was been, it would have meant a that. lot. It would have meant a lot to me. That's know? heartbreaking. I was, I was going to ask you if, if he was able to enjoy, like, they, look, look, Ma, I made it. Like, look, Grandpa, I made it. Yeah. Yeah. He would have totally dug that. He would have totally dug. He just, he just missed it. He just missed it. So he was your, your mom's dad, right? He was my mom's dad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> this might be embarrassing for you to answer. I don't know, but would, would awesome. you say you're the most talented artist in your family? You know what? <laughs> Besides my grandpa, he also, my mom's cousin, I've talked about him before, but I don't know how often I've talked about him on the podcast. My mom's cousin, his name was Carl. And mm -hmm. he was, so he was my grandpa's nephew, um, my grandpa's brother's son. Mm -hmm. He was also, he's still, he's still with us. He's a wonderful individual. His name is Carl Ruggiero. And he was a wonderful artist as well very very talented fine artist he was a fashion a working fashion illustrator in the 60s and 70s and he also took me under his wing later on when i was in high school and he's the one who introduced me kind of into the fine art world and he would um take me to his gallery shows out on long island and he was a pretty well-known artist you know showing artists in certain circles out you know out on long island and so he was very talented too so and my sister, Allie, my younger sister, Allie, our, I should say Colin and I's younger sister, Allie, mm -hmm. is also an, an artist that went to art school, too, and is talented. So there – am I forgetting anybody else? So there are other artists in my family. Um, is and, Allie – is that your sister who's a teacher also? She's a teacher, too. Both, okay. my, both of my sisters are teachers, but Allie's the art teacher. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah so teacher, yeah. you were you were really uh, quick to defend teachers in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Between and my Colin two sisters, was too. Yeah, Colin wasn't wife. necessarily like ragging on teachers or anything. <laughs> but we brought him around. We brought him around. Definitely brought him around. <laughs> um, now, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about your work at Sesame. Um, sure. And I, I don't know how much you can talk about because you, I feel like you've maybe kept a little bit of that guarded as far as like what it is you do there day to day. But yeah, yeah. Um, if you can, is there any way that you could like talk about what you do there exactly? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, of course. If you're interested, absolutely. The only Very time I can't talk about anything on, you know, I work at Sesame Workshop in our in-house animation team. We call ourselves SWAT because it's Sesame Workshop Animation Team. So we think we're cool calling ourselves the SWAT team. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody else in the building thinks it's cool, but we think it's cool. It sounds so, cool. <laughs> and we're, so basically, we start. For me, I started at Sesame. I started my career in animation in '98, but I started my career at Sesame in 2009, and I started there on a team, oddly enough, in what was sort of their Japanese division. 
um, we were working on a project for Japanese cram schools, which in Japan, I don't know how much you guys know about this kind of stuff. I didn't know about it, but in Japan, basically the kids go to school during the day. And then at night, I think, especially for upper, you know, middle-class to upper middle-class families to well, to, to wealthy families, they send their kids to schools called cram schools, which is basically designed to teach them English mm. through curriculum based you know, through learning science, through learning math and reading and social studies and everything, they basically learn English. So it's basically going to school again in the evening. Mm. Wow. And so, and basically these schools are run sort of similar to our charter schools in the U S they're run by private companies wh who compete with each other. So we had a big Japanese cram school company sort of come to Sesame as, and, you know, in a client capacity and say, we want you to design all the art, all the curriculum for this cram school which is like four years worth of content. And it's going to be interactive games and animation and printables, you know, um, printable workbooks and flashcards and the whole gamut. So I started at Sesame doing, working in, you know, basically what was basically Sesame Japan. Hmm. And we did I've that for three years, mm -hmm. which was really, which was really kind of a strange thing, but it was awesome especially for animators in New York, because animation's not as big in New York as it is in LA. It's much more, it's much smaller. It's much more specialized. So we were really psyched just to have four years worth of work. And a lot of my team just happened to come from a TV animation background. And what happened was when the project wrapped up, we basically became Sesame's in-house animation division. Now Sesame Street, Sesame Workshop never had that. Hmm. They would always just outsource their animation to smaller studios or independent contractors or independent filmmakers. So they never had an in-house animation team. So we became the first in-house animation team at Sesame. And I think we're only like three years old now. Oh, wow. So we just service the company in an animation capacity, doing animation for Sesame Street, doing animation for all the international, you know, Sesame Street exists. I think, I don't want to mess this up, but like, there's like, there, there's like 36 different Sesame Streets, you know, they're set, there's, you know, turkey and oh, wow. the spanish language stuff and yeah and syria and the african countries now is Japan that just fight. dubbed or do they have different actors and own their no own? it's all different they have different actors wow. different puppets different no characters yeah wow. some of the characters are carried over like the really popular ones like yeah. cookie and elmo and everybody but yeah they're all different so we we basically get to service the whole company in an animation capacity now the biggest thing we do right now is we do um the Elmo's World segment for Sesame Street and a, a newer segment called Abby's Amazing Adventures. Oh my gosh. So Sesame Street is a half hour long. So we do 10 minutes of the show basically now. And yeah, in the past, I couldn't talk about Abby because it didn't air yet. But now that it's aired, there's no NDAs or anything like that. So I could talk about it. My, uh... But yeah, so that's what we do. That's what we do. And I started out as an assistant art director there. And I basically, about three months ago, I switched over to animation because I really missed animating day to day. So I sort of took a, I, you know, I essentially took a demotion just so I could animate and yeah. work from home, but I missed it so much and I'm so happy doing it. It's, I, I really missed it. So that's what I do. That's what we do day to day at Sesame. And, uh, it's been awesome, dude. I, I, you know, I always tell everybody at work, if this ended tomorrow, we should be so proud because we're, we're the ones who started this. You know, the company is 50 years old now. And they never had a NASA animation team. So for us to be those first guys to do that, that's really cool. 
it has been a treat. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I grew up on Sesame street. I, I, you guys, right. yeah, you know, you can't grow up in the seventies. We had to come through Sesame street. Yeah. You know? Speaking of the seventies, like Nick at first, <laughs> we were, he was like, Oh, I wonder if Dagan's responsible for that. One, two, three, four, five. I was like, he's not that old. He's not that old. <laughs> I want to remake. I stopped you, know, you and me though. I want to remake those pinball things. Oh, they're so great. I've so been memorable. trying to pitch that for you. I mean, it's kind of blasphemous to re- remake those. <laughs> I would feel like there's a lot to live up to there but I would love to do that, you know? I have so many questions, like, from what you just said. Like, this is all so interesting. Sure. Uh, My my first question for you is, um, have you ever been to Japan? No. I've never been. Now, Colin and I have been talking about going because he's been a few times and he really loves it. He's always singing the, you know, the praises. And this, this is a guy, of course, you, if you know Colin, he hates to travel. He's pretty, he's pretty much a homebody. Homebody, yeah. <laughs> crazy about Japan. And he, he loves always his five guys to, and sitting at home and ordering food. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Colin. You know Colin. So, but he's always like, you know what? I know how much Japan means to you in anime and manga and you're an old anime head. Like, I want to be there when you experience Japan for the first time. And my wife was always notoriously like, Japan, like, that's like the 10th place I want to go on my list, you know? But now she's warming up to Japan a lot more in the last couple of years. So it's kind of fun. Mm. But no, I've never been. I'm long overdue. Have you guys been to Japan? I have not. My sister sister's has. been, yeah. yeah. Oh, such a culture shock i don't even know how i would handle it It, it, it's just it sounds like a lot of people speak english over there so that maybe they wouldn't be such a big problem right but yeah i I know that nick he he's way into japan and japanese culture and all that stuff like growing up so i I think he would for sure jump at the opportunity I've, i've always found it fascinating me too I mean, I just almost like every aspect of it. it sounds terrible to say almost because you're kind of generalizing, but like re- really literally beyond the media, you know, I'm a huge anime guy, huge manga guy, but even beyond that, just the culture, it's just a fat, you know, the landscape, the architecture. I mean, just everything about it is fascinating to me. Yeah. The history. Yeah. You oh, know. the history. Yeah. So another thing I was going to ask you before was, um, so do you have like a sizzle reel or anything of animation projects that you've worked on in the past? Yeah. You know, what's funny about that. I was just talking to somebody about this recently. The last time I cut a reel was right before I went to Sesame. So 2009, I know that's up on YouTube actually. And basically, but basically that was from a cartoon network show that I worked on. Like every clip from that is basically from this one show I worked on. Was that Happy Tree Friends? Um, the Mr. Men show. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The Mr. Man Show, which was basically that's a whole nother story for another time. But <laughs> Cartoon Network had a Cartoon Network, I don't know how many people know about this, had like an ill-fated preschool block that they were trying to compete with like Nick Jr. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I guess yeah. this was probably like in the early aughts. Um, they thought they should go into that too. And we did the Mr. Man Show, which is basically based on those little Mr. Men and little Mrs. books. Super, you know, super cute. You guys would know if you saw them. Yeah, like, I, I think I know what you're talking Miss, about. Mr. Tickle and Mr. Yeah. Mr. Happy and all that kind of stuff. I remember. So, those. but you know, it's funny Google about Lights. animation, <laughs> right? Although, you know, all those do, all those do. What, what is, I'm looking at my shelf because I have, what is it? Mr. Mr. Grumpy, right? All those guys, Little Miss Sunshine. They're like little round, 
Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. really simple little right. circles yeah. with arms and legs. I know yeah, what he's cool, cool. So we did the animated series for that for Cartoon Network. But I was just talking to an animator friend about this. Basically, in animation, once you're in and you develop connections and you have a reputation, you're basically getting jobs through word of mouth. So you know, thank goodness at some point cutting reels and taking tests and all that kind of stuff sort of ended because your your circle your you know the people that you run with or you know your um profession all your professional connections they basically take you you take each other from job to job so i haven't had a reel it dawned on me the other day i haven't been able i haven't had to make a reel in like 10 years Hmm. but you know that's also bad because it's like you know if if i needed work (laughs) or you know i need to scramble well it's like when you were at a job for a really long time, any job, and you you get canned, you're like instantly like, oh my god, I gotta update my resume. <laughs> exactly, it's the same thing. But for same you, thing. you have to come up with a reel. So do you call it a reel? Yeah, de- yeah, we call it demo reel. Yeah, very cool. Now that the the things that are on YouTube, is that something that's easily like searchable that people can find, or is that? Yeah, definitely. You could search. Um, if you if you put my name in and put Mister Men, the that demo reel will come up. I remember because um. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's from 2009. I have a little, a little like intro music, which is I remember like the Ninja Ninja Gaiden theme, part of the Ninja Gaiden theme song. Nice for the beginning of it. So yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, but it's uh, it's still up there as far as I know. Tell you what, why don't you go over to aisle seven and unpack those boxes? Gladly. There's too much terror looking in this aisle. This must be the box I'm supposed to unpack. Oh, thank goodness, a trusty steed. Now, another thing that came to mind, like, so you have you have young children. Um, I do. Now, working for Sesame Street, are there any, like, perks that you get to take advantage of? Like, did, did your kids ever met Big Bird or anything like that? You know what's funny about my kids? I say this all the time. I was just saying this at work. The other day, I go into the office like once every two weeks, and I was just talking to a friend about this. And no, my kids, oddly enough, because my daughter was born in 2007, so she's certainly of an age where Sesame Street was still fairly big. I'm not saying it's not big anymore, but I think it was even bigger in the mid-2000s for some reason. But for some reason, my kids were never interested in Sesame Street, which was almost blasphemous for me because I watched Sesame Street until I was like 16 years old. (laughs) I I mean, literally. I mean, literally. voluntarily made a face. (laughs) (laughs) I always blame that on Colin because he was 11 years younger than me, but I wasn't watching it because he was in the room. I was really digging it. Whoever you got to like blame it on to keep keep, keep (laughs) being a kid for as long as you possibly can, which is something about you that I truly appreciate. You've talked about oh, like thanks. the Peter Pan complex or whatever. Oh, I really have that. I really do have that. It's terrible. I Having, mean, I, but it's funny for everybody except my wife. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they don't typically find it all that humorous. <laughs> but I mean, you have a job that keeps, you know, like you get paid to work for Sesame Street. So that's true. That's true. So I was, I would like it if you could to maybe take me through a little bit as far as now that you're animating. Yeah. Do you, so do you animate? Nobody, nobody like just animates on paper anymore or whatever. Like, how do you like? No. What do you do? Like, what do you work in? Are there certain programs that you guys always work in, or yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm not. I'm a professionally trained. Uh, professionally trained. I'm a traditionally trained 2D animator. I mean, we when we ca- I was really lucky because I always say this, but we were the my generation. I'm 45 now. 
were the last vestiges of going to art school in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, where we were trained in traditional animation. And when we got out of school in the late nineties, there were still traditional animation jobs. Like my first job out of school was working on animation for CD-ROM. CD-ROMs are really big at that point before mm. the internet oh kicked gosh. off and everything. Mm. Kids loved CD-ROMs, like, like Knowledge Adventure and Fisher Price and everything was CD-ROMs, Disney and everything. So mm-hmm. we, and we did all traditional animation that was digitally inked and painted. Mm. Um, so we got a taste of working in the traditional sort of pipeline. But right after that, like the very early 2000s, was when traditional animation sort of became digital and it became Flash and After Effects. Oh, yeah. So we took it over. We took it was we were fortunate because we took everything we knew about animation, drawing and timing and staging, and we we knew the language and we just brought it into the computer. You know, so now we were doing and that's what we're still using, Flash, After Effects, and Toon Boom, you know, because we're not CG guys. We're not using Maya and doing 3D stuff. We're 2D guys. So it's basically it's it's mostly After Effects and Flash, and Toon Boom Harmony Toon Boom is sort of getting a foothold in the states, but um, that software is primarily used in Europe and Canada. For some reason, it just hasn't caught on in the United States as, as fast. Yeah, I've never heard. Is that all Macintosh uh, PC? Like, what is that? Mean? Could be both. Could be either one. Okay, either one. Yeah, they're both. Fine. I use a yeah, PC at home and a Mac at work. So, yeah, yeah it's cross-platform. So. I I feel like I've heard you in a show say something about you 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 would work at home and you know you would spend like hours to animate just like a few seconds or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's still the case. It, it is. Yeah, it's so funny too because I was just thinking about this this morning, and I get in such a time warp, which I think is you know typical of a lot of animators in that you know you're kind of living. Let's say I wake up, I start working at eight in the morning, and I, I go to six in the afternoon. You know, I go to six in the evening. I'm living, you're kind of, you're concentrated and you're living in this little five second time frame. And when you have to get out of that and like go hang out with the family or go food shopping or cook dinner or whatever, it's like, you have to adjust because I was just living in this little five second span where I'm like going frame by frame and moving part by part and moving character by character. So yeah, it's still, it's, it's very meticulous, especially if you want to do it well. You know, I was just saying this on Twitter the other day that Every good anima- piece of good animation you see, whether it's in a film or a show or a commercial, that wasn't paid for. That was the animator working longer than they should have because mm. they want to they wanted to look good. You know, because it's never that's never in the budget. That's never in, you know, deadlines. It's very deadline driven. You know, we work for HBO, Sesame Street's on HBO now. So, you know, they want it done, yeah, you know, when it has to be done and they can't, you know, it has to air. So they can't they can't you can't push it. So yeah, so the long hours and yeah, it's it's a meticulous. I th- it's so funny. I always say this. I have no I have no patience for anything except for anim- it's all used up for animation. Right? It's all used up for animation. <laughs> well, it's like, like your you wife when she was with kids all. Now, I'm sorry. Did you say, uh, your wife? What what grades does she teach? She's high school. She's high oh, school. High school. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have any patience when you get home. Like that's all your patience is spent on your profession. Absolutely. But, oh, yeah. She's I mean, she's great. I mean, I really admire teachers because it's the type of job where you have to be on all the time. Yeah. Like I could be grumpy. I don't have to deal with people. I, I just have to get my work done. It doesn't matter what my you know, what my um, mood is at that point, you know. But yeah, teachers and that kind of job that that's so, I mean, you know, like Colin was saying, like they shouldn't get the summer or, you know, he was jealous because they got the summers off. I'm like, dude, they need that. 
they they just spent you know nine months you know day in and day out you know it's like oh I i'm personally understand. so grateful that laura my wife she does get summers off because our you know my two kids they they get to spend that time with her like they don't have to go to a babysitter or someplace like, yes they just very important to, yeah they just get the whole summer with her um, Absolutely. But going back to your point about like, you know, that that time, you know, they're not getting paid for that. They're just doing that because they, they want to. It has to be good. And I was just having a similar conversation. Once again, bringing it back to my kid, he was asking me about game development. I said, you know, if you're going to do that, you're going to you're not going to have a nine to five. If you're, you're going to work really long hours, but you're going to love right. your work. And, you know, you have to be prepared to spend that time to make it. Absolutely. Good. Because if you're if you're if your work is bad, then, you know, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're kind of staking your reputation on that. And I think it's just kind of, I think it's ingrained in a lot of creative people. I think they just, it's just about taking pride in your work. And if you're going to spend, I always say this about animation specifically, it takes a lo- really long time to do it badly. So why spend all that time to do it badly? You can take a little more time and do it well, you know what I mean? And have, and take pride in your work. Absolutely. So that, that's my, that's my outlook anyway. Okay, so I was going to move on to uh, the next talk. I, I could just go on and on, but I'm not. <laughs> so many wonderful questions. Anything, anything you want to talk about. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to have to ask you this because if I know the format of you guys with, with Knockback. You don't talk about uh, things if they're still going on, and it's, the right. subject comes up of South Park from time to time. Sure. I feel like you guys are just itching to talk about South Park. You know, can we make an exception for South Park because it's such an interesting thing? And the thing I was going to ask you is, what are your thoughts on their turnaround time? Like they go from uh, concept to air in a week. It's nuts. I mean, that is just, it, it is crazy that they could do that. They've been doing that for 20, over 20, is it over 20 years now? Uh, yeah. I mean, 97 was when they started. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, just, I, I mean, I love the fact that the show could be topical. And that was sort of one of the threads. It was like, we want this show to make fun of things when they're still relevant and parody things when they're still relevant. And that was the idea behind it, which is brilliant. And the, but the fact that such a small team could do that and do it so well and do it so consistently and make it as funny as it is and make the style as consistent as it is. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's a feat. It's it's an absolute feat. It's it's it still floors me after all this time. It's unbelievable. It, it's you know, like I, an animated Saturday Night Live. Like they just start from the beginning every single week. It's crazy. It's crazy, and they're still doing it. And yeah. you know the fact that they're not tired of it, and the, the fact that it's still funny and fresh. The character, I mean, the characters really carry that show. They're wonderful characters. They're hilarious characters. So yeah, South Park. I, I'm actually really afraid. First of all, South Park for knockback has to be a multi-parter. Yeah. You know, it can't be just a one thing. And also, I'm way behind. And um, I haven't watched it in quite a while, actually. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be one of those topics that, you know, we do eventually. But it's going to be it's going to be huge. It's I don't gonna think they're ever going to stop, Dagan. I don't think they're ever going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about The Simpsons, too, right? I And I'm so grateful for that. They just keep chugging along. <laughs> just keep going. Yep. Okay, uh, so moving along, uh, the next question I had for you is, is you know, again, I don't know if you want to answer this or not, but uh, so have you ever considered pulling a Don Bluth and, and leaving Sesame and starting your <laughs> own studio? Absolutely. I consider that every day in my life, actually. I'm not afraid to say that. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know what it is? It's not about being unhappy at one place. I mean, when I worked at Disney, I had th- those thoughts. It's like, 
you know, I think when you're a creative person and you have ideas, then you inherently just want to strike out and, you know, kind of um, pursue your own vision, you know, and I think that's what it is. I love animating in a service capacity. I love working on a show that I didn't create because that comes with its, with its own challenges and its own fun. And also, it's kind of nice not to be fully responsible for something and just be responsible for the animation or just be responsible for the art direction. So there's something and collect a paycheck and, you know, that stability and working for a big corporation and all that kind of stuff. That's wonderful. 50 seasons. <laughs> 50, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's there's a lot to be said for that. And I enjoy that. I really love that. I'm grateful for that. But, you know, when you have your own vision and your own ideas and life is only so long, you know. Yeah. Then you want to, you know, I think about it a lot and it's something that I think I'll always think about until the day I finally just strike out and do it. You know, I have a lot of plans to do it. Um, and you know, you kind of just kind of started off. What I have to do is really start it off on the side while I'm working. I mean, that's the smartest way to go about something, you know, especially if, you know, you have a mortgage and family and you guys know how it is. Of course. So, you know, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of plans. Some are getting a lot closer to fruition than they used to be. I want to get but, to that yeah, eventually, it's, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I think about constantly. Now, I know you're an admirer of Don Bluth, which is what made me think of the question. And I know that you work for Disney, which is, you know, like preschool, like, you know, level entertainment. And I just thought, sure. like, you must be frustrated sometimes because you're an adult and you have adult, you know, themed thoughts and ideas of, of you know, the, the things you would like to do. Sure. Absolutely. You know what though? It's funny. People have said that to me before and I have to, I have to cop to being, I really, I find myself very much at home working on preschool content. And I think that probably developed over the course of my career, especially because I spent the majority of my career in New York and we just happened to have a lot of the preschool content. You know, we did, you know, that's where Blue's Clues was done. Um, that's where all, almost all of Nick Jr.'s earlier content was done. So and, you know, of course, Sesame Street. And so we had a lot of that going on in New York. So a lot of my jobs were in preschool content. So, but I feel very at home in that world. And I would like to see content for old, for younger kids get a little smarter mm. and get a little cooler. I feel like um, they've done that in the recent, in recent years. That's true. They def it's definitely stepped up. That's definitely, definitely true. But I think there's a lot of room for I don't want to spill the beans on a lot of the ideas I have yet, but <laughs> I think there's a lot of room for speaking the kids on their level. And, you know, even Sesame's gotten a lot better with that. But, you know, sort of not talking down to kids and actually presenting things to kids that, you know, in a little more, not only in a little more mature way, but also just in a way that they could relate to more. It's like, you know, I always get really upset when skateboarding is portrayed, you know, being an avid skateboarder and growing up skateboarding, like when skateboarding is portrayed badly in media, especially kids cartoons where it's like skateboards don't look like that. Like it's just like wheels attached to a board. There's no trucks on the board. Like, you know, skateboards have always been drawn in illustrations the same way. Like a skateboard doesn't, a modern skateboard doesn't look that way. And kids recognize that, you know, kids are like, kids know, like you're lying to them. Like, that's not what my big brother's skateboard looks like, mm -hmm. you know? So that type of thing. Kids but are smart. They, they're aware of authenticity. Like they know these. Absolutely. Things. You said it. That's the word. Authenticity. You know, that's the, that's the really big thing. And a lot of my ideas are actually geared towards younger kids. But I, I would like to branch out and do stuff for, you know, older kids. I certainly have stuff, 
you know, geared towards teenagers that I would like to do and adult content. But, you know, I don't really ever feel pigeonholed. I think as long as you have ideas and you hold on to them and you develop them, you know, even if you're not sharing them yet, that's all that matters. You know, just being true to yourself as far as, um, you know, what kind of content you want to work on, you know. Well said. Okay. Uh, my next question for you is kind of a silly one. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I like silly. Nick and I have, you know, always been doodlers and drawers, you know, coming up through, you know, as far as back as we can remember. And for me personally, Nick, Nick's way more talented than me. I, I've always had a problem drawing hands. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's like. He, like heads, faces, like feet, whatever. Like, I'm fine. But like right. hands, I've always struggled with. Is there anything that you've been bad at drawing that you just wish you were better at? Yeah, you know, I'm bad at drawing hands. I mean, I'm good at drawing cartoony hands, but drawing... You know, for me, this is, this is, a, I'll cop, I'll 100% cop to this. I went, I found my way through art, through style. And a lot of it was through admiring anime since I was a very young kid. Like, I loved the graphic nature of it. I loved, you know, the simplicity. And when I say graphic, I'm not talking about like tentacle porn. I'm talking about like the <laughs> visual, visually graphic nature of anime that it's like lean and that it's really beautifully drawn and, it's simple and it's line versus curves. There's no extraneous detail. It's elegant. And I've always been really drawn to that. And I've always been, I kind of found my way with art through ideas and through style. And I sort of short, short changed myself a little bit on anatomy and life drawing because when I was younger and just wanted to get into animation and just wanted to be like Don Bluth or just wanted to be like, you know, Katsuhiro Otomo or whoever I admired at the time. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I compare myself to my wife a lot because she's a really traditionally trained illustrator and like knows all the muscles and knows all the, the bone structure and the anatomy and the anatomy of a hand. And when she draws it, she just inherently knows it because she drilled herself on it for so many years. So, you know, when it comes to drawing, you know, hands are hard to draw because they're hard to fake. You know, I mean, you have to really know how that thing is built, how that thing is constructed. You know, a face is easy to stylize, but a hand you got to know the anatomy. You got to know the bone structure and the muscles. And everything. So I'm not the best at that. You know, I, I could never be a professional, you know, Marvel comic book artist. You know, I'm much more of a cartoonist in a traditional I love your style. Like it's, it's so cute. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's thank the cutest. You. Like, <laughs> I don't even really know what to compare it to. It's just so digging. <laughs> if people, if people aren't aware, like you can go out to Instagram, you're it's what Dagan likes to draw. Yes, so that's taken. my Instagram. Yeah, it's it's. I love your style. Like whenever you do, and you, you'll do it in your style, but with other IPs like Ninja Turtles and. Yes, I love doing that. Oh I love God. doing that. It's so I get so envious when I see you guys do like Patreon giveaways or whatever. Like, oh my God, he's Ninja Turtles, like that that lucky guy. <laughs> oh, thanks, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for that. Yeah, I mean the style just comes from, you know, it's just such a it's such a combination of everything I grew up loving. You know, from newspaper comics to you know, graffiti to skateboard graphics to, of course, anime and all the old 50s UPA cartoon, whatever it was, Bugs Bunny, everything's just sort of thrown in the pot. And, you know, I, I've always been kind of a, a hedonist, too, when it comes to art, because I just do what's fun yeah. for me. And so that's always been my approach to art. And I've just I've been able to make it work. You know, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. Nick, if, you, <laughs> so. if you're going to check out one of their podcasts, I recommend you check out their Calvin and Hobbes episode. That's an excellent. Oh, love Calvin Bill, they talk about Bill Watterson and, and how oh, like that's one of my I, favorite episodes. I love his style. 
Oh, he's he, oh, he was wonderful. He, yeah, that's that was a fun episode. That was a fun. So, Dagan, speaking of styles, um, so Nick and I are pretty obsessed with pixel art. <laughs> and, oh, cool! You know, like hand drawn animation in video games, like it's the best, and the renaissance oh. in those types of games, like just I love it. Have you ever dabbled in that art style? You know what? The only time I worked on, I never dabbled in that art style, whether it be 8-bit or 16-bit or anything like that. The only time I actually worked on a game was I left, I took a hiatus from Sesame because a friend of mine was involved with a Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys ever heard me talk about this, but um, they Kickstarted a reboot for Leisure Suit Larry. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you wouldn't mind talking about that again, that would be awesome. They did, yeah. So they did it. Basically, Al Lowe came back, and he kickstarted a whole new Leisure Suit Larry. He got, I think, he got like close to a million dollars. And a friend of mine was involved in it, and he said, "You know what? You should really come. It's going to be like six months. Just come and work on this thing. Sesame will hire you back. Like if if this doesn't take off and we don't get another project." So I said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it." That's a Maylock's moment right there, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was so it was so so much fun and it was the first time I got to work with you know sort of in a video game mentality where everything we worked on had to loop and you know not not no piece of animation that we did was independent everything had to loop into itself and there was we had to work with you know hand in hand with the programmers and I got to see how they sort of out you know sort of individualized all the frames and incorporated them into the game and how it would work and how it would scale so that's the only time I ever dealt with that. But we were doing hand-drawn animation and they were inking and painting it in the computer. So we were very fortunate in the fact that we didn't have to, you know, we could do very full animation and, you know, it was digitized and everything apart from us, you know, later on down the pipeline. But that's the only time I've ever had any, I've ever endeavored to work on anything like that. I remember those Laser Suit Larry games. Like I, I remember working at Babbage's and seeing those like on the shelves. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were awesome. They were, they were, they were really, they were good looking games. So my, I was going to ask you then, I mean, it, it seems to make sense, you know, like you have a brother who has connections in the video game industry. Like, have you ever thought about taking another stab at maybe creating another game and like the video? Yeah, game? we talk about, we, Colin and I talk about it. I, I've certainly thought about it independently. Um, I know a lot of guys that are programmers from way back in my early, you know, I was very involved in, the, you know, the dot-com boom, dot-com boom in the early 2000s. And we did a lot of internet stuff. I, I met a lot of programmers back then that are now involved in the console world and, you know, the PC world and stuff. So, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. I, I consider myself more of a fan. I think I'm a little intimidated by it because I don't know the technical aspects of it all uh, at all. I'm very much, you know, on the art side and not at all on the technical side. So I find it intimidating, but I can't believe what, these small, I'm not even talking about people like Yacht Club and, you know, um, MDHR and all those guys do, but like even beyond that, like these small little mom and pop two or three guy operations, the games that these guys are making now is insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Nick and I have had a couple of guests who've, you know, teams of one or two people who've made games, uh, like Nathan with mommy's best games. He's releasing a game on, well, it's already on steam, but it's coming out on switch called piggy ball, which is really, wow. It's really good. Uh, just, he does it all himself, all the art. I think he might outsource the music. He said, but a lot of it, he's just done on his own. Mm -hmm. And then we talked to some other guys who created their own arcade, just, just the two of those guys, everything on their own. So, Oh, that was the Arcadeaholics? Yeah, um, the Arcadeaholics guys. Yeah, they were, they were I really nice I watched that guys. show. Oh, you did? Okay, I watched great. That show too. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Great show. 
Um, so <laughs> this is this kind of like another silly, like it doesn't really fit into anything necessarily. But so since Nick and I are both drawers growing up and Nick more so than me, did, did you ever have people that you would find come up to you and just ask you to draw stuff? <laughs> <laughs> like just draw like a, a Howard the Duck or something. I don't know. <laughs> just, you know what? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. You know, I've always been surrounded. I mean, even in art school and now in the, you know, in animation the last 20 years, I'm, I'm with people that could draw. Mm-hmm. You know, I, no, I mean, that's not true. I mean, people do still ask me, like, at Sesame, I'm just like the birthday card guy. It's like, <laughs> all right. It's so it's those, you know, it's it's Pammy's birthday. Draw her birthday. You got mm-hmm. you got to do the birthday card. We got to get it done in the next two days. Like, you feel the pressure. Like, all right, I got to do a cartoon, I guess. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So that there is that. And I've always been the guy, too, with, like, I, I just love to draw. I love to doodle. So even at work, I'll draw on post-it notes and make like huge walls of them in my cubicle or in my office or whatever. So, and it's funny how many artists don't do that. Like, you know, they don't, they they go and draw at work and maybe they'll draw on the weekend, but they don't draw like extraneously at work. But I'm that guy who's always drawing. Even when I'm, I'm drawing in the meeting, I'm not paying attention. I'm just drawing. You know what I mean? So, so I guess there is that, I guess there is like, oh, Dagan, like, it would be so cool if you drew Astro Boy in your style, you know, and then I'll take it as a personal challenge and just do it. Oh, they, yeah. take adva- they take advantage of me that way, you know, because they know I'm going to do it. Yeah, you got to feign being put off a little bit just so that everybody doesn't come to you. But it's, it's, on the inside, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I like the challenge. <laughs> I like how you put that. That's uh, a great question. Now, you mentioned your wife and how she's um, an artist as well. Did you guys meet in, in art school or how did you guys? We did. We That's did. We so met. cool. We did. Yeah, we met in Philly. She was on an illustrate. She was an illustration student at UArts. And I was an, an animation student at the Art Institute of Philly. I knew her roommates just through her roommates were kind of friends with guys that I skateboarded with, basically. And Helene, my wife, wasn't around in the summers because um, her family you know, had a, a shore house down at the Jersey Shore. And that's where she would be during the summer. But one day, we're skating like out in front of her apartment. I didn't even know her roommates had an, another roommate. And that's how I met Helene. She was just sitting there. I was like, who is that? You know, I never saw her before. A friend of mine knew her and that's how we met, you know. Very romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> 96. We're oh so my young. goodness. Oh, those times. <laughs> oh man. Um, so here's a question that I'm sure you probably get asked from time to time. And I, sure. I know that you were really big into skating and everything, but if you weren't in animation, if, you know, God forbid, like it did, everything worked out, but if it didn't work out, what do you see? What do you think you would have been doing right now? It's funny. It's such a funny question. My, my, my wife and my daughter laugh at me all the time because I have this sort of laundry list of jobs. I think I would have been really good at, but they're so far from what I actually did. So I always say, I always say these jobs are what I would have been good at. And I, you know, this is me. So who knows if I really would have been good at it, but uh, this is what I'm saying. Let's hear them. I think I would have been a really good high school principal, uh-huh. especially in like a less, you know, like uh, a tougher area, an inner city area saying, <laughs> I, I don't know where that comes from. I have no <laughs> idea where that even comes from. I just think I'd be really good at it. Like a Morgan okay. Freeman type comes in. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and daughter literally belly laugh when I say this kind of stuff. I think <laughs> I would have I. been a really good doctor, but I don't like blood or gore at all. So that's, I don't know why I think I'd be a really good doctor because I'd, ter- I'd be a terrible doctor. 
blanket until the ribs swing open like a rusty drawbridge. Uh, no! Blood! But I, I you watch I a lot really of doctor TV shows, baby. <laughs> I don't know where. I think I have a really good bedside manner, but I would have to have all the nurses do like all the tough work. They would hate me because they would do all the jobs I'm supposed to be doing because I can't look at the blood and stuff. Uh, terrible, terrible. I, I think I would be. I I came up with this one a couple of weeks ago. I think I would be a really good priest. <laughs> Father Moriarty. <laughs> because I think the guy, you know, I, we go to church every Sunday. You know, I, my wife's very, my wife's very spiritual. I, you know, me, me and Catholicism has been a, has been a bit of a battle, but I try. Yeah. But I just think they're not like when I see a, a priest give like a homily or a sermon or whatever, it's just like it's not interesting. I don't feel like they're trying to engage. I just think I would be good at that part of it. You know what I mean? Like trying to make it interesting, trying to like have people you know, trying to make it more of a conversation than being spoken at, yeah. you know? Uh, so that was my latest one that they laughed at. You know, they thought that was hilarious. I don't know what they're talking about, Dagan. I think you would be a wonderful <laughs> priest. <laughs> You'd be a wonderful priest, doctor. It's high school principal. <laughs> high school principal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are amazing. So in other words, no, there's nothing else I could actually <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've romanticized some really difficult professions that you put yourself in there, but yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but the thing that they all have in common is you have a, you have a wonderful ear and you, you listen and, and you have a heart. So, you know, you can, you're very there sympathetic guy. You have a pathetic ear. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I just have a few more questions for you, sir, before, sure, yeah. before we roll up into the end here. Okay. Um, so Nick is really big into anime and he always has been, but I've never okay. been able to just like get it. And, you know, from on, in my defense, uh, like I remember one time I tried to introduce him to Rom the half and he uh, you just, weren't having it. He just, he just was like, <laughs> what am I watching? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't, it, there's certain things about anime that just like drives me nuts. Like, okay. You know, full disclosure. So like, you know, like, you're all's episode with my neighbor Totoro. And I'm like, I want to go see that. They have this thing going on right now. I'm in Fathom Events where in theaters, like every month they're having a different Ghibli film. They're oh, right, right, right. Yeah, of course. So we saw Kiki's Delivery Service uh, the other day or a week okay. or so ago. And it was really, really good. I liked it. I really liked it. Charming movie. It was very charming. Yes. Perfect word for it. So like, I want to see my neighbor Totoro, but I'm watching, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service and it's so cute, but there's just certain things about anime. Like, for instance, they'll just a character will just bust out laughing out of nowhere <laughs> as hard as they possibly can. And they're not, it's not funny at all. Like they're just like, what is happening? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Mouth wide open, eyes got <laughs> blue hair. Yeah, you got it. Are you familiar with Strong Bad Dagan? No. Oh, uh, Strong Bad, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, of well, course. Okay, okay. Yeah, like the Homestraw Runner where they have like the Same. anime episode. Mouth, I like, totally very forgot small and then ridiculously huge. <laughs> and for some reason, I got blue hair. You gotta have blue hair. Then there's my mouth. Real tiny when it's closed. Ridiculously huge when it's open. <laughs> I forgot about Strong Bad. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys have got to do a topic on that. It was so wonderful. <laughs> 
that guy did that sh- that epi- that that I I think it's two brothers actually, and uh, they 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 did it for years, and they just recently quit like five or six years ago, I think. Really? Holy yeah. cow! They did it for that long. They did it for a very long time. Like oh everyone in the world was on board with them for like a few years in the like early two thousands, I guess. Right. They, they just kept doing it for like ten years. That's amazing. And I want to, yeah, I say that they just quit doing it recently, but maybe like 2010, 2011. Still, that's a big run. That's a good run. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Teen Girl Squad and Strong Bad and all those are just the best. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, so like, but with anime, but the point I was trying to get to, and I almost lost, almost lost myself there, but (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that you, and I think maybe Studio Ghibli, they're they're kind of different. You know, like they're maybe a good entry point. But what what would you recommend a good entry point be for someone who's just unable to get into anime? Yeah, it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's so funny. The anime has always been so polarizing. I even have animator friends that don't like anime at all. And you know, I have one animator friend who's a dear friend of mine, Joe, who I work with. He was one. Of, he's one of my earliest animation friends, and I work with him now on Sesame at Sesame too. And he, he's a wonderful, wonderfully talented animator, very inspired and influenced by Disney. Can't stand anime. The only anime I've ever showed him that he liked was Akira. And he was like, all right, I understand. This is, this is good. But we all know how different Akira is. Akira almost has a Ghibli-esque type thing where it's like, it's so different. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, the anime, anime is interesting because I've always been drawn to it, but I could see it being polarizing, especially for Western audiences because it has a lot of Eastern, it's based, you know, it has a lot of Eastern sensibilities that Westerners may find a little foreign. I always found it exotic. And for me, especially not being necessarily attracted to superheroes when I was a kid, like I wasn't really into Superman. You know, I wasn't really into Justice League or Batman. You I or Colin, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I really, I wasn't feeling that. You know, I, I just wasn't feeling and I, you know, I went through my, my little X-Men stage and my little Iron Man stage when I was younger. But, yeah, there was something about anime that I was really drawn to. And I think a lot of it was that it centered around young people, like young teenage characters. And I, I always liked that it, it centered more around youthful characters I thought was neat. I always thought I always thought the style was cool with, the, you know, the colored hair it just seemed exotic to me. I always tell my wife. Anime was the first thing, like Battle of the Planets, specifically G-Force back in the day, like in the late 70s, was like the first thing that I noticed as a kid being like, I don't want to go to like baseball practice. I just want to stay home and watch this. Like, I just want to look at this, fill my eyeballs with this and not do anything else. So for me, I was always really drawn to it. I think it's hard with anime, though. I think what I would recommend is just trying different things. I would recommend One Punch Man. I and I only say that because not only is it wonderful, but I find a lot of people that weren't anime people really responding to it and talking about it. And uh, for whatever reason, it's been an entry point. One Punch Man more than maybe anything I've heard of since maybe Ninja Scroll. If you've never seen Ninja Scroll back in the day, or Akira, or the Ghibli stuff, I would say that like One Punch Man. One Punch Man just seems like an access point to anime for people. It's very different. It has a it has a really wonderful sense of humor, I think, which I think people find refreshing. It doesn't take itself very seriously. Um, I really like Attack on Titan. I know I'm sure everybody's heard of Attack on Titan. You've advocated but, for that many times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, but it's very heavy. You know, it's very very serious. So I don't know if that's what everybody's looking for. Like Ranma is a great Ranma half is a great 
example of he something that has a lot of quirkiness. It's quirky. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's humorous. It has a lot of levity. It's silly. You know. Yeah. Maybe so it's just too you silly for me. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I know. What do you like? Do you like? Do you like sci-fi? Do you like fantasy? I do, do like, like sci-fi and fantasy. And, and, and it's, there's like a triumvirate of nerddom. You know, like anime would just be like that third point. You know, like you'd think I would just be in there. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, but I, I, I feel like the, the Ghibli stuff is as close to like Disney, you know, like it, has, it is. There's, it a is. Very, there's a softness to Did it. Did you not even really see like G-Force back in the day? No. Mm. Uh-uh. The only Japanese import that i just truly fell in love with was like transformers okay. sure oh yeah i saw your shelf by the way very nice oh thank you very much very cool <laughs> yeah love transformers uh it's one of my all-time favorite things like we've done a couple of episodes just transformer stuff oh yeah oh i love i love it and I, I, what I do you think your... of the unicron what do you think of the haslab unicron oh, it looks amazing it's gorgeous dude how like, cool is that there's thing? no way like i was just complaining about like having yeah. to spend 80 bucks on that new jet fire but seat. even if cost wasn't even an issue yeah. it's just so big i wouldn't know where to put it i know <laughs> where do you put that thing i know well are you familiar with like the siege toy line at all dagan yes yes i am so they had that uh the uh uh well, gosh what's a uh, the big rocket jet fire no 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 not jet fire oh omega supreme omega, omega supreme. supreme that yeah. omega supreme looks really cool and it's it's not it's expensive but it's not like unicron expensive but it's right Right, it's, it's like manageable. You would have to have some sort of special table laid out to even enjoy it. I and know. I, yeah. I know. And I would just end up keeping it in the box and sticking it on top of a shelf or something. I know. Like I every know. one of uh, the uh, like Walmart reissues, all of those G1 reissues that I've been buying and just keeping in the box and putting on shelves. Did you buy that Walmart? Um, this was a while ago. You have to forgive me. I'm not even sure how long ago. That um, The Constructicons. What is it? Uh, What's his name? That he Devastator. Devastator. Yeah. Devastator. Yeah. Did you buy? Did you buy that? That was I, a Walmart exclusive, I right? I did. I, I bought that. I got the Optimus Prime. It didn't include a trailer, but they still charge okay. like sixty bucks for. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I yeah. That. I got Hot Rod. I got Starscream. I, they just released Soundwave in the cassettes, so I got those, and uh, a few of the Minibots like Bumblebee and Warpath Gears. The little characters. That's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Now, have we'll have you to talk about Transformers on another show. I don't yes, want to interrupt for you sure. For, no, no. I, I would love to have you on again sometime in the future. We could just talk about Transformers. Uh, I, I'm ready to keep <laughs> going on about Omega or uh, Unicron. I know. I know. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, so I wanted okay. to ask you one more big question here. Uh, so sure. Now I, I mentioned before that my son Logan is really interested in game design, and I've been able to take advantage of other guests. You know, like what what advice would you give him if you were his age, eight years old? You're, you're kind of yeah. in that perfect sweet spot. You can they can go anywhere from there. My, now, my daughter Allison, who is just she just turned four, she's shown an uh, like she's shown an ability to for you know like an art. She has she loves to draw in color, and oh, she's cool. actually not bad at it. That's so, so cool. What advice would you give an eight year old, like eight year old Dagan, eight year old, like when Allison gets older, like what, what would you tell her if, if she was interested in a, in a career in animation or art? Yeah, I, I would say, do, you know, practice, draw, if you're interested in animation or art specifically, and for your son who's interested in gaming, pursue it. You know what I mean? Keep your, keep your interest, your focus in it, practice it, learn everything you can about it, but always make sure that it's fun. 
because if it becomes work or it becomes, you know, you mean, then that takes the joy out of it and that might, you know, lead them to not want to do it. But, you know, just stay on top of it. Learn what you can about it. Listen to professionals talk about it. Um, you know, YouTube is such a cool resource for that. Took the words you know out I mean? of my rather mouth. Than, rather than TikTok or whatever my daughter is into right now. It's like you could go on YouTube and listen to somebody lecture about the thing that you're interested in or do tutorial, look at tutorials. It's such a cool resource. And, you know, just, just, and really just, you know, have laser focus on that thing that you want to do and know that you could do it. You could do whatever you want. And, you know, and that's, that goes for the parents too, about, you know, mm. I was really lucky enough to have, you know, parents that were very supportive. And of course yeah. my grandparents who were very supportive and just kind of nurture that interest, you know, because you can do it, you know, like e even in animation, it's such a, how many kids, you know, guys, girls that I go to school with that actually do it for, you know, they couldn't, they didn't see it all the way through because it's hard. It's competitive. Yeah. It takes, it takes a while to break in, but if you stick to it, just have that little bit of grit. You could do, you could do whatever you want to do that, you know, that would be my advice. And that's, that's real talk. That's not just lip service. You know, yeah. you could do anything you want as long as you, and as long as you love it, you'll do it. We do live in the right country for that. That's for sure. Uh, that's for sure. You know, it's, it's, if you're passionate enough, just keep going. And I, I would like to say that you have wonderful parents, like from every story I've ever heard, you just have the best parents. No, oh, thanks. You know what? I'm, I'm very fortunate. It, yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome people. Um, you know, they're not, they, they weren't, they weren't perfect parents, but they were really loving and really supportive. You know, they, there aren't, there is no such thing as a perfect parent, but no, of course not. yeah, they're as good as, you know, they're as good as parents as I could imagine. And we're really lucky. Yeah. We're really lucky to have them. Good stuff. Okay. Dagan. Uh, so like this portion of the interview, this is I have something I like to call the guest book. All right. Uh, because I usually ask every person we have on the show the same question, and it's just an opportunity for you to put your name in on the guest book. Uh, so the first thing I like to ask is, uh, what was the first arcade you remember playing? Oh, I saw. You know, this is a great question. This is a great question. I remember two. I have two specific memories. The first one I remember seeing and playing, I believe, was Donkey Kong, yeah, the first Donkey yeah. Kong. And it was in the bowling alley. My, my mom was on a bowling league when I was very little. And it was in the, bowl, the middle of the bowling alley had a few arcade cabinets. And I remember being enamored not only with the game on screen, but with the cabinet art and the marquee art. I, I would just stare at it. I would just stare at it for hours. And, you know, not long after, you know, as you guys remember, you guys are at almost my age. You know, all the merchandise came out, the stuffed animals and the shirts and the sticker packs. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've got so, a stuffed Donkey Kong somewhere from the 80s. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so good, dude. I, it's such a classic. And, and that that game was probably the first one because I'm sure Pac-Man came first for me. But that was the first one I remember being like, OK, there's a little there's a little story going on here. You know, there's this guy's got it, this gorilla is bad. He's got his girlfriend. He's got to go rescue her. And you know, looking at video games almost in like a format of like, okay, this is another thing, like a cartoon, like a, like something I watch on TV or on, on a movie screen, you know, it's telling a story. I remember that really registering with me. And the other one for me was in a supermarket growing up was the Berserk cabinet, oh, wow. oh, yeah. which I never played. I would always just see it from afar, like from the checkout line. I don't know why I never played it, but and just being enamored again with the cabinet art, I remember it was that, that really dynamic pose of like the guy shooting the robot and the robots exploding. Do you it was remember really graphic. Nick, do you remember the discussion we had about the Atari 2600 where we both yeah. saw that same image? 
the Berserk cartridge. Yeah. It looks, if you look at it, it's like a shoulder of a robot. But Nick and I both saw a bug vomiting like a, like <laughs> like that red yeah oh that's it's so the weird. arm but <laughs> just google that image of the of the uh, like atari 2600 art and you'll it looks like yeah. a like a bug vomiting lava or something when I'm i was looking, a kid that's how right i saw it. it's so, oh i see it yeah, okay. oh yeah it's really weird so like that circle on his shoulder that was like a big eyeball yeah Oh, I I see I see how you're seeing that. We, you know what? One? That is the that is the cabinet art. I think. So is it really? Yeah. I think it is. I think it. Yeah, that's the that's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I see what you guys are looking at. It's so weird. <laughs> You'll never unsee it now, sir. When, when I was a kid, that's how I always saw it. It wasn't until way later that yeah. I thought, oh, oh. Yeah. When you really look I at see, it, you're like, why I would it be exactly. a bug? Of course, it's a robot. <laughs> That's so, dude. This image is so lame. This guy is so seventies. He's got his underwear on the outside of his pants. Dude, I don't care. I maintain that the art on the Atari games is the best. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's like seventies so album art. It's so epic. Oh, it's so good. I lived. I lived in that world. Like I would just live in that world for yes. like twenty minutes at a time while my mom was checking out. Like it was just like at the supermarket, you know. Oh my god. So that those are the two for me. Those are my two earliest. Those are good. That's Those funny. are really good. Okay, um, next question. Uh, what is your all-time favorite arcade cabinet slash game? Oh, like, yeah. Oh my God, that's tough. That's tough. I would always have to divide it into categories where I would put fighting games separately because I was so into all the Capcom fighters, starting oh, with yeah. Street Fighter, but every single Darkstalkers, all the Street Fighter, all the Marvelverse. We're nodding completely in agreement. Yeah, and and, and you know especially and. Neo Geo, but especially Samurai, the Samurai Showdown oh, games, Samurai which were – they're in another game. class. I always Those appreciated like, the Neo Geo art. I just didn't – like the gameplay. I had nobody there. to play them with. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so now <laughs> you <laughs> caused a fight over here, Dave. <laughs> no, no. Nick was huge. We were both huge into the Capcom, like 100% there. But the Neo Geo, like I just never got – I love the art. But the, there's yeah. just something about the gameplay. Like I just didn't love it. Man, I love Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, Dagan, I saw so on your Twitter account you'd posted something about a Samurai Showdown mini or miniature. Oh, they put out a special. Oh, the yeah, Yukio they put out like a special. Yeah, yeah the Yukio yeah. Tachibana one. Oh, I was like, dude, what did they make that just to, for me to buy it? Like, <laughs> no, it's like every time they keep releasing a like at a classic, you know, like everyone's gonna get the NES and the SNES, but like I'm getting the Genesis, I'm getting the TurboGrafx 16. I love oh, the TurboGrafx. I'm looking forward to that. Oh my god! Because I can't afford that. I can't. I can't. I can't afford to collect for Turbo Graphics 16. It's like it's too bucks. expensive. Yeah, I you went know. ahead and pre-ordered it, Dagan. I'll just I'll I'll deal with the repercussions another day. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's pretty, and they're still announcing games, so it looks like the value is going up and up. I'm gonna modify that sucker and put what I want on it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, next question for you, sir. Um, what was your first uh, home gaming console? My first one was the Atari 2600. And my parents got it, you know, and thinking back, especially when having conversations on knockback, I realized that my parents probably bought it very close to, if not after the, you know, notorious video game crash uh, in 83. Because yeah. I did not have that thing before 83. So I didn't know that that crash was going on, but maybe that was the impetus for them to finally break down and buy it and buy a bunch of games because I definitely didn't have that until... I mean, maybe it was 82, but I don't think so. I think it was 83. And so that was my very first, you know, that was my very first experience with it. I loved having it. And it was actually a treat for me because they let me keep a TV in my room with the Atari. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't have cable hooked up to the TV, but I had the, the Atari on it. Probably black and white too, am I right? <laughs> you know what? That's a good question. It probably was black and white. Uh, it probably was. I, I totally had one of those black and whites that was like it it had a handle and it was a little tiny screen and it was also a radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was gaming on that sucker, man, for a long time. <laughs> we were hardcore. Our generation were so hardcore. We, really we did were. what we had to do. These young kids <laughs> these days. <laughs> okay, next question for you, sir. Uh okay. So what's your favorite home gaming console and what game mm. is your favorite for that console? Oh, okay. Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, pound for pound, I probably have to give it to the 16-bit generation. Oh. It's very, it's very kind of close for me between. I mean, I love the NES. That's yeah. really what I primarily collect for, and I love the Famicom and the Super Famicom too. But for me, as far as memories go, it's sort of equally torn between the Super Nintendo and the Genesis because I was a Super NES and SNES guy, and my best friend was a Genesis guy. Mm. So very nostalgic for me. Those I didn't realize consoles. you were a, like a, gen, a appreciator of the Genesis. Oh, I love the Genesis. That's all I've been playing lately is Genesis. Yeah, it's, I, I'm really going through like a, a big Genesis thing right now. Like a, I'm really like reliving my 16 year old childhood with the Genesis right now. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, those two those two consoles probably for me would be my favorite. I would say you know it's it's a pretty hackneyed answer at this point, but I would say Link to the Past is probably my favorite. And on the Genesis, I don't know. Genesis has a lot of ones that I really love. I've been really enjoying. Um, I've been really actually enjoying the troubleshooter games, the Battle Mania games. On, but they're they were really weird. They were Victor Kai. They were kind of they were kind mm. of not easy to find back then. I can picture the and, maker. Yeah, the Victor Kai boxes. Yeah, they were they were really cool. I, everything. I mean, the Genesis just in general. I think maybe Fantasy Star, maybe Fantasy Star two and three really nostalgic for me. Um, and then some of the ones I missed along the way, you know, that I didn't get to play the first time around. So yeah, but I think the 16 bit generation for me is that's where that's, you know what, you know why? Because when we were at our age, we were like 15, 16, 17, when the 16 bit thing kicked off. Right. That Those were the first consoles to make us say like, all right, we don't need to go to the arcades anymore. You know, Atari made you want to go to the arcade. Atari's like, all right, can I stop playing this thing now? It's like, you know, it's like, and even the NES was like, all right, I get why this is cool, but you know, there's still room for arcade games and better graphics and better sound and whatever the arcade could bring that this can't. Yeah. But when the 16-bit generation rolled around, it was like, all right, this is this is video games. Like, look mm -hmm. how good it's getting. Yeah. Of course, it got better after that, but. That's a good point. It was that constant pursuit of arcade port perfection. <laughs> and and Nick and I lament all the time about the 8-bit days where you thought you were getting close, like when the uh, Ninja Turtle uh, arcade like you know, came uh, out. It was like basically right. the 89 arcade, but it was just two players, but it was pretty close. Right, right. And of course, infamously, when Ninja Gaiden come out, and Nick and I were huge fans of the arcade, and... Uh, you know, this is a pre-internet world, so Ninja Gaiden came out, and I saw it at, like, a totally video. different game. Totally different game. You see it at a video store, you pick up the box, you're like, what the hell is this? Right. <laughs> you look at the images in the back, you're like, this is not Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> no, it turned out really well. Like, that's a fun game, but... Oh, they're so good. I felt yeah. so betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so here's... The next question's a little, you know, different. Um, so what is your favorite all-time game character sprite? Okay. And, I mean, and I mean, like, you know, like pa a Pac-Man or a, 
you know, the like Mario or like a Mega Man type thing? Like, what's what sprite do you just are you drawn to? You know what? I really love. I mean, talk about Ninja Gaiden. I think the Ryu Ryu Hayabusa sprite is if I'm if I'm thinking about especially home console, especially the NES. I think that sprite I always really loved yeah. for some reason. I think it it seems so much more kinetic. The way he moved, that way he's fast. He was actually hmm. running. It seemed like yeah. such a departure from like Simon Belmont or, yeah. you know, Mega, the Mega Man sprite was cool too. I mean, my favorite sprite work of all time is probably in the Samurai Showdown games. Mm. You know, probably hit its peak in two Samurai Showdown two and three. I mean, that was like just gorgeous. Yeah. And fully animated, you know, beautifully animated sprite work. But for as far as an individual sprite that's memorable, I would probably, yeah, I would probably go with Ryu Hayabusa. I like that sprite a lot. Have you seen the? Uh, I don't know if you're if you ever look into like homebrews or like ROM hacks. Have you ever seen the Deadpool version of Ninja Gaiden where they have? No, no, <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's 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 totally Ninja Gaiden, but they some some guy or some team they took the uh, Deadpool and, and made the uh, Ryu uh, Ryu the uh, character main character. Oh, I have to look at that. It's cool. <laughs> It, you'll That's fall down the rabbit hole of, of ROM hacks if you ever get into it. We, I want to do an episode on those, just ROM hacks. Oh, you guys should do that. Yeah. I'm fascinated with that world. It's cool. And again, it's like a, you know, a passion, a dedication. Like these guys, they do this thing. Oh, just, just my God, for, I know. Just for fun. Just for fun. That's it. Okay, and the last guestbook question I have for you, sir, is um, what artist would you say what is your greatest inspiration? Like, wow. <laughs> it's a loaded question, I know. That's tough. Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, really pound for pound, it would probably be, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, you know, my grandpa had a huge impact on me. If I was, you know, talking about an artist that I didn't know, you know, I could, I would just rattle them off. I would say, you know, Pablo Picasso had a huge impact on me. Um, and, you know, my art, my sensibility, uh, Von Bodie, Bill Watterson, certainly huge. Akira Toriyama was a big one for me. Um, in the anime, I would say probably, um, Konichi Sonata was a big one for me. Um, Leiji Masamudo, uh, uh, I mean, Studio Ghibli. I mean, there's so many, I'm cheating. I'm totally cheating by not naming just one, but no, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. We <laughs> cheat all the time on our own show because <laughs> you got to respect everybody, right? <laughs> You have to. Yeah, you have to. You have to. I'm going to think of like 10 answers as soon as we end the show. That's <laughs> a good start. That's a good start. No, that's a very good start. Okay. <laughs> All right, sir. So that brings us into the fan alley. We like to play a little game. I know that you guys like to play a little game on your podcast yes. as well. Yes, we uh, do. So, so our game is called You Ought to Know. And uh, it's five multiple choice questions that I specifically design around the guest. Okay. Um, so you you don't know what it's going to be about, but it's it should have something to do with Dagan Moriarty. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I hope I, I hope I do good. All right. <laughs> You're going to do fine, <laughs> I think. Okay, but I will tell you that uh, the best anyone's ever done is three out of five. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's see if I can beat that. Okay. So, all right. Question number one. Okay. So you worked for the beloved children's television show Sesame Street, which yes. is turning fifty years old, as we'd mentioned earlier. Producing more than 4,500 episodes. Wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> My question for you is, 
Which of the following networks has Sesame Street never aired an episode? Okay. Okay. Never aired an episode. Is it never A, aired? HBO. Okay. B, NET. C, PBS. Or D, the Disney Channel. It's the Disney Channel. You are correct, sir. <laughs> you are one for one. Now, I was I was a little nervous for you. I was like, he's got to get this right. <laughs> now, did you guys know they Disney under Michael Eisner tried to like in a hostile bid? You know, Disney owns Henson. You guys probably know that. But right. mm-hmm. um, so they own like Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy and everything like that. But at that time, when they bought Henson, they tried to buy um, Sesame Workshop as well. So Bert, Ernie, Cookie. Big Bird, all that kind of stuff. And Joan Gans Cooney, who was like the head board member of Sesame Workshop at the time, like dug her heels in against Michael Eisner and like refused to sell. But like Disney, like it was like almost like a hostile bid. They almost lost everything to Disney, except for this one woman who held out because Henson wanted to sell. Henson like relinquished after a while, was like gave up. And she was like, no, we can't sell this to Disney. And that, that I was always fascinated with that story. It's Amazing. funny. Like, I love Disney. It's like Nintendo. They're just like one of those sacred, you know, companies for me. Yeah. But they, yeah. there's something inherently underneath. It feels kind of evil about them, you know? Like, why do they want to buy everything? I know. They own The Simpsons now. I know, Dude, right? How crazy is that? No more Fox, like, you know, like the brum bum, brum bum. Like, you're not going to oh, get right. that anymore. Like, oh, I forgot about it's that. It's insane. Right. Yep. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, but you know, I love Disney. We'll see how it. You know, I do too. I'm I excited about the Disney Plus Network. There's all those cool new shows they've got advertised. Dude, it's coming out. It's going to be huge. They're going to make. They're going to make another trillion, <laughs> trillion bill. <laughs> they're going to come back and buy you guys. This is what's going to happen. That's probably it. They're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Okay. <laughs> all right. Question number two. You're one for one. You're off to a great start. Okay. 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 So which of these animated movies is the highest ticket selling movie? Okay. Not gross ticket selling and ticket talking, selling. domestic, not not worldwide. Okay. Is it A, 101 Dalmatians? B, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Okay. C, The Lion King? Or D, Sleeping Beauty? Wow, this is really hard. I want it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Snow White. That's your final Is, answer, sir. That's my final answer. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you nailed it. I was a little bit nervous for you. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, 101 Dalmatians sold 99,900,000 tickets. Wow. The Lion King sold 89,200,000 tickets. Uh, Sleeping Beauty, 73,700,000 tickets. Okay. But Snow White, 109 million tickets is that's amazing yeah they staked their whole success on that movie man that's amazing oh that's so cool do you have a favorite like classic anim like disney animated style movie yeah i mean it's probably a tie between 101 dalmatians and peter pan for me okay and i think i've heard that before yeah but uh, yeah those are great those are great okay question number three two for two i'm getting nervous for you this is not so far so good okay (laughs) so here's here's where it's going to get a little bit more local for you so your okay. hometown of Long Island <laughs> yes. is the birthplace of many famous and wonderful things. Okay. The MRI, the wireless radio, the Baldwin brothers, 
<laughs> but it's the Long Island iced tea that I'm most thankful for. Oh, okay. <laughs> According to the International Bartenders Association, which of these primary alcohols do not belong in the LIT? Okay. Okay. Is it A, tequila? Okay. B, white rum? Okay. C, bourbon? Or D, vodka? Oh, man. Which one does not belong in the Long Island iced tea? I'm going to have to say, you know what? I'm not really big into Long Island iced teas. I, I think they're delicious. I just don't have them a lot. I'm going to say, wait, what were the choices again? Okay. The question, so the choices are A, tequila. Okay. B, white rum. Okay. C, bourbon. Okay. Or D, vodka. Oh, it's bourbon. It's got to be bourbon. You're absolutely right. It's All bourbon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I didn't. I don't think you're like a drinker like myself. I'm not like a big drinker, but I. I no, like not at all. For sure, like you were gonna nail that one. Okay, <laughs> three for three, Megan. I'm so excited. You're already. You've already equaled the best. That's got, not bad. I'm, you, I'm very proud of myself. You should be. All right, two, <laughs> two to go, sir. Okay. All right. So, without a doubt, the greatest invention of all time was unleashed in 1958 at the Brookhaven National Laboratory when William, and I'm not sure if I'm going to butcher this name, so forgive me, Higginbotham okay. unveiled what is believed to be the first ever video game. What was the name of the game? Oh, okay. 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 So was it A, Pong? Okay. B, Table Tennis? Mm -hmm. C, Tennis for Two? Or D, electronic tennis. Oh my God, this is tough. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm gonna say. Like every choice is basically. I know. No, this is this some is variation of a tennis game. <laughs> 1958. You know what? I'm just gonna go with electronic tennis. Oh no. What is it? It was. It's called tennis for two. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm heartbroken. I'm sorry, Brookhaven. I let you down. <laughs> Dang it, how could you? <laughs> That's okay. So you, you still have a chance to be the champion, the all-time All, all right, okay. So I, I still got a chance. Still got a chance. Okay. All right. This one might be a, a bit mean, but here we go. <laughs> Question number five, and for all the marbles, sir. <laughs> Out of the famous Disney Nine Old Men, which actually lived to be the oldest? Oh, okay. I think. So I got your multiple choice questions, right? You're oh, answers. multiple choice. That's right. Okay. Here, don't answer just yet. Okay. <laughs> he might. Was, just say it. He might. And I'll, you know, like, Dagan would know. I bet. Okay. Was it A, Mark Davis? Okay. B, Ollie Johnston? C, Frank Thomas? Or D, Les Clark? Oh, I don't know who. I know it's Ali or Frank, but I don't remember who died first. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna say. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Ollie lived the longest. You would You think Ollie was the uh, oldest? I think so. You're correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are the champion, David. <laughs> so hey, someone's going to have to knock great, you off. Great questions. Really good questions. Thank you, sir. So just uh, so that everyone knows, Mark Davis lived to be 86. Frank Thomas also lived to be 86. 
Okay. Uh, Les Clark was a young one. He, he, he lived to 71. <laughs> wow. He was taken early. And Ollie Johnston lived to the ripe old age of 89. Wow. Yeah. You know, Frank and Ollie were like attached to the hip. Like they were like, be- they were literally like best friends since they were kids. They had a, they lived next to each other their whole lives and everything like that. When, when Frank died, I was like, Ollie's going to go. Like, there's no way they could live without each other. Like, oh they gosh. were like, like a married, so like an sad. old married couple, right? They really were. Yeah. They really were. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I oh, love, that's a great, great question. Great question. And I'm proud of you, man. Four out of five. So, Thank you very much. And, and since you're the champion, I have, I have a little parting gift for you. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I found this t-shirt from a shirt punch uh, and they're not a sponsor or anything, but it's a, it, it's a, like the Brady bunch on the front, but it says the Ghibli bunch and it has a bunch of studio Ghibli characters. In the <laughs> that's so and, cool. So I thought my man Dagan would love that. So I'll, I'll send that out to you. When I, oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That sounds awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that's pretty much the end of the episode. I, I appreciate you so much. You, you've hung in there with me for quite some time. <laughs> oh no, dude, it was it was a pleasure. It's like I, listen, I love talking about nerdy stuff. So we could talk, we could do nerd talk all day long. Uh, I, it's it's a pleasure. It's not it's not it's not work. And you know, I hesitate, but I have to. I'm gonna have to ask you one more question. Please, sure. Of and course. I'm saving it for the end. I know that you're about to unleash upon the world your very own show, your own podcast. Yes, yes. Are it's you coming. are you prepared to give any information right now on the format, the name, or when that's going to drop? Okay, so things changed a lot in the last for the better. Uh, very exciting developments with the show in the last couple of days, but I ha- I do have a name. I'm not going to share it yet because I'm vetting the copyright of it right now. Okay. I finally, it took me literally five months to think to, to single out a name. I had like, I can't even tell you hundreds of lists, a list of like hundreds of names. But it's going to be an for now. It's going to be an audio podcast. It's going to be scripted. I'm going to write it and then I'm going to record it and hopefully not have to edit it too much. And it's going to be the plan right now. is going to be a biweekly show. It's going to come out every two weeks and it's going to be centering on current nerd culture, media. It's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of the topics are going to center around a center around animation, but it's not going to be necessarily animation specific show. It's going to be more mostly relevant, you know, currently in the news, pop culture sort of topics. And I don't know exactly when it's going to roll out, but I'm going to put out a sample. Because things have changed, and I think we're going to distribute it a little different than I was going to originally distribute it. Mm-hmm. And there'll be more details on this soon. But okay. um, I'm going to put out a pilot episode just to see how people dig it. But it may not roll out now for a little while, being that it might have gotten bought by somebody. <laughs> so, so really. It might not be- yeah. So my would that be someone that you're already partnership right now? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> okay. <yes. laughs> Could I ask you one other question? So it's going to be scripted. Will you have a guest host or like a host with you or anything? No, or? it's going to just be me. But I do want to have guests on from time to time. It's going to be it's going to be scripted content, sing, you know, centering around a specific, a very specific topic each each week. I'm going to make, I'm going to stagger it. I'm going to pick a topic for every two weeks. And then on the staggering show, the in-between show, I'm going to leave it up to the listeners to choose from a list. And when that topic is chosen from the listener base, then I'll do a a show that you guys pick, that the fans pick or that the listeners pick. 
So it's going to be, it's going to have a lot of audience uh, participation. It's going to be the, the listenership is going to have a really big part to play in the show. I think that's really important. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and it's just going to be fun to talk about relevant things, you know, in media and art and creativity and, you know, animation, but other things too. So I can't wait to share. I was really getting ready to share everything and roll it out, but yeah, thing, things have developed. Exciting developments have happened, so now I have to hold off a little longer. I hate to but push. it's going to be worth it. It's I hate be to worth push, it. but will it? Do you think this pilot will drop by the end of the summer, or are we looking at? Yeah, fall? that was the plan. I still want to. I still want to drop it by the end of August because I want people to know what's coming. I really want people to know what's coming. So. And you know what? It's it, it should be interesting because I don't think that many people are doing it the way I want to do it right now about the things I want to do it about. So hopefully people, hopefully it'll be refreshing, and hopefully people will find it interesting. But I want to see. Well, you this, know, I want to see. Sorry, uh, will th- will it be on YouTube and also audio only, or will it be? I think so. I mean, ultimately, the goal for the show is to be a YouTube show. I want it to be a scripted, edited show with visuals as well whether i'm on the camera or it's just graphical stuff on the camera but i do want to have i do want to make it an actual show a youtube show but for now it's going to be an audio form but i would like the audio form to still be on youtube as well as the podcast services so we're looking at that we're looking at that right now i know it's Um, a lot of extra work doing the youtube component of it it is but i really feel that it's it adds a lot of value to have you know, something to see along with the audio. I agree with you a hundred percent. I really do. I think, I think just the audio is sort of, yeah, it's, it short changes it a little bit, especially for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if the Patreon support could be high enough, eventually I want to do that for sure. A hundred percent for sure. Um, and find a way to do it. Even if the Patreon support is a little lower than expected. I'm on, but, man. I'm in, I'm on board, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that so much. It means so much to me that, uh, people, people are excited for it, which is, I mean, if there was 10 people excited for it, I'd be, I'd be psyched. You know, Colin so, kind of like half jokes is half serious. You're like the star of knockback. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I always appreciate when he says that, but well, it's Col- really Colin's hard a very see. humble guy. He's a very generous guy. So yeah. he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I mean, just doing a show with him is like, yeah. I mean, how articulate he is and oh how smart God. he is. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's a wonderful person. Like I, I always loved him. I've followed him for years and years through, you know, Nick, he did IGN and then he started his own company and he was, that's yeah. where I got to know him. I didn't really know him at IGN. And then some things happened. Then he started his own company just by himself. And then I followed him over to that. And that's how I got to find out about Dagan. Cool. So Dagan, man, thank you so, so, so much for being on my show, our show. Uh, my pl- taking my pleasure. Taking the time to spend with, you know, us, the little guy. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Th- first of all, thank you so much for having me. Second of all, I think your, your guy's show is great. I think it's really awesome. Uh, really it. nice quality. Thank you so much um, for I only that. checked out a couple episodes so far, but I, you know, I, I really liked what I see. I like your outro music. I think it's really cool. <laughs> thank you. I do. I like it. I, I, can't, really, I, think, I, I can't take credit for composing that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> really? How long have you guys been doing the show? Uh, we've been doing it since what late, what 2017? Couple years. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, it hasn't been that long. We, uh, I, I do a couple of podcasts, but Nick and I have been doing the big geek podcast for a couple of years now. I think we just yeah. celebrated our second year anniversary recently. You're yeah. doing a good job. You got some subs on there. I mean, that's, Hey, it's, it's not, Hey, this, 
there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, yeah. for people to, to develop a little bit of a fan base and everything like that means a lot. You guys are doing a good job. Well, hey, if like two or three more people check us out because of you, then I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, hopefully that happens. I'm sure it'll be maybe more than a couple, but, you know, we, <laughs> we do it because it's fun and we have no expectations of getting paid. We just like hanging out. It gives us an excuse to be together and just talk about things that we like. Yeah, and it resonates. That It's authentic. It's, you could tell you guys are having fun. I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm a YouTube junkie, so I listen to a lot of stuff. You can always tell when the people are having fun. It's authentic, and there's yeah. some knowledge there, and just people are having a good time. That that really speaks to you know something that's that's of quality. I think you guys are doing a nice job. Thanks, Dagan. Uh, can you let people know how they can follow you? Yeah, sure. So um, we talked about it before on Instagram. You could follow me at Dagan Likes to Draw. Um, I got to keep up with my Instagram. I've been doing pretty bad with that. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, I'm at uh, Dagan1973 on Twitter. And um, yeah, you can listen to our podcast. It's CLS Knockback. You can find that on iTunes, all the podcast services. Again, it's CLS Knockback. And um, it's just a retro slash nostalgia nerd culture podcast. We talk it's, about it's stuff. It's the best retro nostalgia podcast oh right? dude that means a lot that means a lot to me thank it's, you very much for saying I, I mean that it's the best it's a labor of love we love doing it i never know? miss an episode <laughs> oh that's awesome thank you so much dude thanks right. for listening to the show uh, I no problem all right man well we'll we'll just do our own little wrap-up later you know we'll we'll let you go like we won't make you stick around for that <laughs> <laughs> well listen guys thanks again for having me thanks for thinking of me uh it was an honor i really appreciate it my yeah. pleasure. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll get like your uh, like if you I don't know if you have like a post office box or something. I'll send you out your your t shirt that I talked about. Oh, that's awesome! I was going to send it awesome. to you even if you bottomed out over five. <laughs> 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 I didn't think you would, but uh, I saw it. I was like, man, that is, that's something he would totally dig. And as a thank you for you know taking the time out and everything. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You bet. You bet. And I'll I'll send you uh, a message. Let you know when the uh, episode drops if you want. Oh, like, please, definitely. And I'll I'll push it out on uh, Twitter and I'll talk about it on. I'll make a little Instagram movie and all that kind of stuff. Well, thanks, man. Oh, sweet. Of course, nice of course. Of course. Um, it, um, so like ordinarily, like when we would do interviews, I'd have like a video is it like, can I get your permission? Like, is there like a photo or something that I could like show of you? Like, oh yeah, the... of course. Yeah. And you know, you, if you guys want to do this again, we could do video. It's totally up to you guys. Oh my gosh. I um, would, I would love to do another topic with you. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, anytime. Just shout. Um, yeah, I'll send you a picture. I have to think. My wife has all the good stuff. <laughs> she <laughs> keeps it. Just send us a really goofy you know. picture, like cross-eyed, you know, like booger <laughs> hanging out of the nose, whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, you know, I have good ones. My daughter's always sending me really funny ones that she finds in my phone that she thinks are hilarious, which is a, it, the ones I think are good pictures of me. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's always somebody making fun of me in this house. Oh, my but, uh, yeah, totally, it, you guys, but so you know what? You, you're, you have a good sense of humor, so. <laughs> you, you have to it. in this house. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right, Dagan, I will let you get back to it, man. Uh, I will talk to you later. And again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Great job. Thanks. Appreciate talk it. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye, gents. He's pretty cool. Dagan's the best. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, that, that was Dagan Moriarty. Nick, what did you think of our, uh, our he guest? Was, he was great. Is he not the best? Oh yeah, I, I definitely need to check the have to check out his podcast.
Yeah, uh, a CLS knockback. Uh, it's you know you can do a search for it in iTunes, whatever podcast. Knockback is totally in my wheelhouse, and I've always related very much to Dagan uh, because again, he's he's kind of like got that nerd cred, and he he, he just seems so genuine and just just really good guy. It'll be really hard to top Dagan as far as guests go, but yeah, you know. We're going to try. <laughs> uh, you can actually follow us at BitGeek. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, The BitGeeks on Facebook. We're on Twitter at BitGeek Podcast. You can find me at Ron Avis. And I'm at Nicholas J. Wright. And uh, you can check us out on YouTube. If you're listening to us uh, in audio only and you didn't know, we do have a YouTube channel where we take the exact same show and you get to actually see our smiling faces and not just hear our smiling voices. Uh, and that's, you can find us at youtube.com slash bitgeek. And of course, if you're only familiar with us on YouTube and you want to listen to us, we have quite a few people who just want to listen and our shows tend to run kind of long. So I get it. Um, you know, just do a search and whatever app you go by. Like if you listen on Spotify or iTunes and you can just do a search for bitgeek and you'll find us there. Send us a like, drop a review if you don't mind. Let us know you like the show if you hate it, or maybe not. But, <laughs> but we, we love hearing any kind of feedback from Nick and I. Any, anytime somebody interacts with us or like drops some sort of a comment, takes a few I moments of your comments. Yes. That's it. You just take a moment of your day to just let us know that you watched it or listened to it. Or, you know, it, it just it means the world to us. So, anyways, that's been uh, our episode with Dig and Moriarty. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.